Hi, this is Jerry Britt, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday sermon. In fact, it is Mother's Day today, May 14th, and we are super excited to be with you. And to all the moms, a very happy and blessed Mother's Day. We love you. We are forever grateful for you, and we just want to say thank you for all things. In fact, let's thank the Lord for all of this before we even begin today. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for this amazing day a chance to breathe once again, a chance to gather together, a chance to hear from you, from your word. Lord, and a chance also to thank our moms. We are grateful, Lord, for them, but we are most grateful for you. We give you all the honor and glory. Teach us today in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. When you hear the phrase getting there, what do you think of? Well, back in 2002, there was a movie made that starred the Olsen twins, it was a story about them getting their driver's licenses, a party, and a convertible on their 16th birthday. It also involved a road trip with two friends and three more following in their car. But things didn't go as planned. Maybe you're thinking of something more like getting from point A to point B. Or perhaps you're working on a project and someone asks, how's it going? And you're replying, I'm getting there. Well, that's what I think of when I think about that phrase, getting there, making forward progress toward a goal. And in a spiritual sense, it's all about making progress. In other words, getting there to become a more mature Christian. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to explore this idea of getting there. That's the title of our sermon series. And we're going to examine several scriptures in the Psalms, Proverbs, and Second Chronicles. Today, we begin with part one, which is titled The Power of Mom. And the scripture reference is Psalm 22. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, why don't you get those out and turn to Psalm 22? Now, you're probably thinking, what would Psalm 22 have to do with Mother's Day? And that's a great question. For Christians, Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. But when it was written, many would have seen the picture of a man struggling with doubt and despair who overcame that hopelessness by what his mom taught him. An anonymous son wrote the following observations about his mother. He said, his mother taught him logic. She once asked, if everyone else jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? His mother taught him medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. His mother taught him about how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. His mother taught him about genetics. You're just like your father. His mother taught him about his roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? His mother taught him about the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand, and I'll explain it when you get older. His mother taught him about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. And the all-time favorite thing his mother taught him, justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. Then you'll see what it's like. As I was looking for a passage to preach for Mother's Day, this psalm really caught my attention. What impressed me as I read it was the apparent connection between what mothers taught us and what we now believe about God. So look with me at Psalm 22. Let's start out with verses 9 and 10. Talking to God, the psalmist says, Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. 
You have been my God from the moment I was born. Notice, the psalmist doesn't talk about the faith he gained at his father's knee. No, he's telling us about the depth of his faith that he found when he was with his mother. There was a report back in October of 2004 in the issue of Psychological Science that showed that children who have the good fortune to interact a lot with their mothers develop healthier consciences. In the article, they said that toddlers were encouraged to imitate their mothers in such simple actions as playing tea party or tending to stuffed animal. In that part of the experiment, the researchers graded the children based on their readiness to imitate what they observed. Then in subsequent sessions, they evaluated those same children as they were enticed with prizes for games that they could win only by cheating or breaking an object that had some value to them. What the researchers found was that toddlers who eagerly imitated their mothers were more likely to follow the rules and were more likely to exhibit a sense of guilt when they broke something. One person commented on that research and stated that God has placed our conscience within us to monitor our behavior. The conscience is like a thermostat, but mothers apparently help us define the settings. There are things that children learn from their mothers that they can't learn anywhere else. Here in Psalm 22, the psalmist is telling us how critical his mother's influence was for him. So again, look in your Bible or Bible app, Psalm 22. Let's look at the first eight verses now. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm, not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Well, as you can see, the psalmist is telling how life had become almost unbearable for him. He's been rejected and people have mocked him. He had seen and experienced how unfair life could be. And ultimately, he came to believe that God wasn't near to him anymore, that maybe God had even left him. He's filled with despair and hopelessness and his world is falling to pieces around him. But it's in the midst of his misery that he remembers the lessons he learned from his mother. And what might he have learned from his mom? It says, I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. In other words, his mother raised him to look to God. She raised him to lean on God for strength and hope. They say that Susanna Wesley, the mother of two great evangelists of the day, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, spent one hour each day praying for her 17 children. In addition, she took each child aside for an hour full each week to discuss spiritual matters. Because of her faithfulness in pointing her children toward God, John and Charles Wesley grew up to make a powerful mark on the culture of their day. Here are a few rules she followed in training her children. Number one, she rewarded politeness and good behavior and she punished any sign of stubbornness and selfishness in her children. Number two, she taught her children to pray as soon as they could speak. Number three, if she made a promise to her child, she kept it. And number four, if a child freely confessed a sin, she did not punish them. But rebellious behavior was always quickly dealt with. 
The point is Mrs. Wesley took her responsibility as a godly mother seriously, and she saw her role in influencing her children for Christ as crucial. Davida Dalton in Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul wrote that one particular day in her life had been particularly hectic. Now, she had ten children and had one more on the way. But this particular morning was more trying than others because her son, Len, who was three at the time, was on her heels no matter where she went. Whenever she stopped to do something and turned back around, she would trip over him. Several times she patiently suggested fun activities to keep him occupied. She asked, wouldn't you like to play on the swing set? But he simply smiled and said, oh, that's all right, mommy. I'd rather be in here with you. Then he just bounced happily along behind her. After stepping on his toes for the fifth time, she began to lose her patience and insisted he go outside and play with the other children. When she asked him why he was acting this way, he looked up at her with his sweet green eyes and said, Well, Mommy, in Sunday school, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps, but I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours. Now, that psychological study I mentioned earlier revealed that sometimes all a mom has to do is just play with her kids and her children can grasp some very powerful lessons of life. But the writer of Psalm 22 tells us that his mother went further than that. This mother's activity thrust her child into the arms of God as soon as he was born. And because she was so faithful in this, her efforts kept her son from tumbling over into despair and kept him from giving up on life. Notice how he reasons. Look with me at verses 14 to 16 of the text. They read, My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. So he is describing how filled with despair he had become. But then, even though he was overwhelmed by the turmoil and tragedy of the moment, even then he still looked to God for his help. He writes in verses 19 and 20, O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. But that's not all. After he prays for deliverance and before anything ever changes in his life, he says in verses 22 to 24, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them but has listened to their cries for help. What's going on here? How can he shift from despair and hopelessness to an attitude of praise and worship? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because his mother taught him about God. Go back to verse three of the text. She taught him that God was powerful and worthy of praise. He writes, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And in verses four and five, she told him the stories of what God had done for others in the past. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. You see, beloved, that's the advantage of a godly mother. She instills the power of faith into her children, and that power of faith gives her kids courage and hope when life goes sour, because there will be times when life does go sour, or in other words, go south. Jesus told us in John 16:33, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. And when those trials and sorrows come, they won't have to handle them alone. The last part of that verse says, but take heart because I, meaning Jesus, has overcome the world. 
So in other words, you won't be alone. Jesus will not abandon you to your struggles. We've got to remember that the ultimate victory has already been won so you can claim the peace of Christ even in the most difficult circumstances. And that is what godly mothers prepare their children for. Now this truth alone would make Psalm 22 a powerful lesson for us. The very concept that mothers can give their children hope in a harsh world is the type of encouragement we need as Christian parents. But we've only scratched the surface here because Psalm 22, as I said earlier, is what's known as a messianic psalm. It talks about Jesus. It describes in pretty good detail much of what took place at Calvary. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 is quoted by Jesus as he's dying on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or some of your translations will say forsaken me. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Verse 15 tells of the torment he endured. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. Verse 16 tells us how he was to be executed. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. And verses 7 and 8 describe the attitude of the crowds at the foot of the cross. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. You know, I got to thinking about this, and I became a little puzzled. Here we have a psalm that tells the story of a man struggling with despair and ultimately triumphing over that despair with praise and hope. And in the midst of this psalm, God literally hides the story of Christ's death on the cross. So I'm thinking, why would he do that? Why put these two stories together? And then I realized, in this world, we will have trouble. In this world, we will face opposition and disappointment. And in this world, we will encounter hardship and pain and death, just like that guy in the psalm. In fact, again, Jesus said it was going to happen. We just read it a minute ago, John 16, 33. I have told you all of this so you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, not if, but you will. But that's not all Jesus said. Right after that, remember what I said a minute ago? He tells his disciples that they're going to have troubles in the world, but then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Okay, so where did Jesus overcome the world, beloved? Where? He did it on the cross. Now, an Old Testament mother taught her son about the power and providence of God, but no matter how much she would teach this truth to her son, the God she told him about was always somewhat distant. His power was that of an all-powerful ruler who sat in the heavens. This was a God who might care for his child, but it wasn't a God who really seemed to understand his troubles. God was up there and man was down here. But at the cross, that all changed. At the cross, God came down. At the cross, God took on the form of a mortal like you and me. At the cross, God suffered. God was rejected. God was beaten. God was placed on a cruel cross and nails were driven through his feet and hands and he died. What Psalm 22 is saying is that the promised Messiah was going to experience all the despair and misery and pain that you and I face in this world. And in that experience, God showed us how much he really cared for us. You know, I have an acrylic piece at home. It's a circular piece that sits in a little wooden stand. And it recalls a quote that I've heard. It's an anonymous quote as far as I've been able to find. But it simply says this, and I, I look at it all the time because I need that reminder. This is what it says. A person once asked Jesus, how much do you love me? Jesus said this much. 
and he spread out his arms on the cross and died. Jesus went through the valley of the shadow of death so that when we find ourselves in the same valley, we'll know that we're not alone. And that's the advantage of a Christian mother. That's the advantage she has over even the most wonderful mothers of the Old Testament. The Christian mother can point to a God so powerful that he could experience the turmoil of life, face suffering, rejection, and even death, and he would conquer it all because death could not hold him. She can point to a God who went through it all because he loved us, and that is the power of mom. Psalm 22 is a powerful chapter in scripture, but I believe its greatest power is in reminding us of our potential as parents, especially as mothers, to prepare our children for the difficulties of life, to give them the most powerful tool for overcoming despair. And that is the story of a God who cared so much for us and our children that he gave his only son to die on a cross for us and our children. To God be the glory forever and ever. And all his people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.